Greetings, fellow patriots, friends, and fellow citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. It is Christmas Eve morning on December 24th, 2022. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and uh, we're actually, I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm the president of the We the People Convention. And this podcast and everything we do is brought to you by the generous donors to the We the People Convention who have sustained us over the last 14 years in our fight to protect and defend our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Thank you for everyone who's taking the time out of their holiday, uh, you know, time, you know, this whole week of uh, Christmas to New Year's and for joining us for this podcast. As I said last week, I wasn't sure that, um, that I would do a podcast today or next week uh, on New Year's Eve and maybe take a couple weeks off, but that I'd kind of see you know, what happened and whether, you know, there, it, you know, we needed to get together. We needed to share information. And unfortunately, um, some very important things happened this week. And in this podcast, I'm sorry to tell you on, on Christmas Eve, uh, you know, I, I probably should be wearing a, a Grinch's hat instead of a, uh, a you know, a, a Santa Claus cap, because uh, this can be a pretty tough podcast. I've got some pretty serious things to talk with you about. And I'm sorry about that, but the truth is, is what it is. And that's one thing we're committed to, and that is the truth. And uh, we need to face some very harsh truths about our country. Uh, and, and I'm going to lay that out for you. And I hope that, um, you know, I'll be able to do it in a way that is constructive and not just, you know, complaining. I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, we want to find ways to protect and defend our freedom, liberty, and prosperity. But all of those are under the most vicious attack they've ever been uh, in our lifetimes. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome to you. Uh, I think you'll find news and opinions you will not get anywhere else. And I hope that will inform you and allow you to make decisions about your life and what you're going to do and what, you know, you, uh, you know, want to try to affect, uh, as, as far as change in your life, your personal life, your family life, your, your community. And so, um, thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you with us. Um, as you can see, uh, my flag is, is, is not outside. It is flying upside down, but I had to bring it in because like most of you, uh, you're being affected by this really tough, uh, you know, winter storm that's just kind of going all across the country. And, uh, you know, it's about minus two right now here in Ohio and the winds have been howling, uh, for, you know, like 36 hours. And I had to bring our flag in or it's going to get ripped off the side of our, our house. So uh, it is flying upside down, and that is not a sign of disrespect, as those of you who watch the podcast know. It is a sign that our, uh, you know, our, our nation is in dire distress of extreme danger to life or property, and and that is a fact. That's not my opinion. We are in a huge amount of distress, whether it is, uh, the, you know, the people who are coming across the border and sleeping in the cold in the streets of El Paso, the young ladies and, and, and women being sex trafficked, the people, you know, who are bringing in fentanyl that are killing our children, your children, you know, our grandchildren, people we know, 100,000 dead from fentanyl that our government allows to flow over our borders unchecked, okay? That's that's dire, you know, distress. 
And I've heard from many of you lately. I, I finally, you know, I think something has changed that you finally are getting the picture. But I've gotten all kinds of emails from people saying, Tom, I just turned my flag upside down. I get it now. I want my neighbors to know. Uh, we had a good victory for one of our members who was uh, fighting their homeowners association, which felt that the flag upside down was a sign of distress, uh, was a, a sign of disrespect. And they fought that and they got the homeowners association to agree that it's a proper use of, of, of signaling with the U.S. flag. So I don't hang this upside down as a joke. I take it down, I fly it upside down because I'm sincerely worried about our nation, and you should be too. And if, if you're not now, I guarantee you by the end of this podcast, you're going to be damn worried about our nation because there's some things that happened this week that really will affect what you think about where we're going from here. Now, we open our podcast with our January 6th prisoner prayer. And um, there's news on that front. Uh, I, you know, I, I thank all of you guys from who are donating to the J6 Legal Fund. Uh, you know, we've raised, uh, you know, you know, I think we're over eighty thousand dollars now, and you know, it's still climbing. Thank you for that. You're gonna hear now a, a, a letter from Jake uh, Lang that I'm gonna read to you. That's very disturbing. Uh, but why don't we why don't we say our prayer? Um, you know, before I go into that, and, th and then we'll get on with the rest of the news. Uh, we pray for the prisoners, the political prisoners, you know, who have been held for two years now, many in solitary confinement against our laws, uh, you know, without, you know, due process, without the right to a speedy trial. Uh, you know, some of them have been tortured, uh, have been beaten uh, in, in the gulags of D.C., and, and, and we pray that God will bring justice to them, that judge will, uh, that God will help us bring to justice those who have, who have done this in our name with our tax dollars against our laws uh, to these fellow citizens. We pray for their families. We pray for their attorneys who are just faced with such a, a difficult struggle. We hope this nightmare is going to come to an end with the efforts of the, the Republican House, and we'll see how that goes. But let's just, on this Christmas Eve day, let's pray for them and their families because it must be just horrible to be separated uh, after all these years and away from their children and grandchildren. We pray that God looks over them and gives them the strength to continue. It doesn't get any better, folks. Got this note from Jake Lang. Uh, this is going to be posted uh, on our podcast page. If you're new to this show at wethepeopleconvention.org, you just go there. There's an orange button, a uh, yellow gold button that says podcast page. And all the stories I cover in our podcast are listed with the time of the story. So you can jump around or just watch the ones you want. And there's links to the stories. I will link to this, this text message that I received from Jake Lang on Wednesday. Urgent message from Jake Lang. He's a political prisoner in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, everyone. Merry Christmas. God bless you all with the light of the world, Christ Jesus. What I'm about to tell you will probably shock you, but it is par for the course. As of this weekend, my only attorney, Stephen Metcalf, 
has been officially denied, revoked from his ability to have any contact with me at the federal penitentiary in Lewisburg, PA. All my uh, upcoming legal calls have been canceled as of this Monday, Monday this week. My fundamental right to speak to my attorney has been dissolved by tyrants, my voice, voice more suppressed, and my journey for justice thwarted in every conceivable way. The U.S. Marshals and Bureau of Prisons higher-ups have deemed my legal team a threat to their corrupt cabal and have now tried to strip me of the last defense I have against the full force of the Biden regime. These traitors have forsaken their oath to the Constitution and abridged the sacred right of the accused. If this can happen to me, this could happen to any American. Please stand united with me and take action against this atrocity, against American values and civil liberties, and I would add the rule of law. Call the United States prison at Lewisburg in a persistent and respectful manner and ask for accountability from our public servants. Why they are destroying my rights to speak um, to my attorney. Ask them, why are they destroying Jake Lang's right to speak to his attorney? The phone number at the prison is 570-523-1251. That's 570-523-1251. And I will link this on the podcast page so that you can read this letter and copy that. You can also ask to speak to the legal department head, Jennifer Nepper, and her email address is jknepper at bop.gov, bureauofprisons.gov, jknepper at bop.gov. The warden, Mr. Reichard, or the pretrial unit counselor, Mr. Tharp uh, and Mr. Reinhardt. Please also call the U.S. US Marshal Supervisor for the J6 Political Prisoners, Mr. Haywood, at 202-772-0373 or 202-772-0301. This matter is extremely urgent, and if we allow them to desecrate my rights, then we will start to do it all over with other patriots. Okay? Jake's scheduled to go on trial, finally get to trial, like January 6th. And now they won't let him talk to his lawyer. How can that be? Why is that? I, I just don't understand. It just violates everything that you and I believe about what our legal system is supposed to be. So I will post this letter. I ask you to act on it. Make phone calls. Let's see what's going on. But it, it just keeps going and going and going. And I, I just don't know where it ends, folks. I just don't know where it ends. But we're going to fight for, you know, his rights because we're really fighting for our rights. And I know you, I, I think you know that. Okay. So let's see what we can do. We'll make some phone calls. Now, I thought this was good, but this also raises more question. House bill would let January 6th suspects move trials out of D.C. for a jury of their peers. It's from the Daily Wire uh, on, uh, you know, the 21st. A bill introduced by a Republican congressman would allow January 6th defendants and other out-of-towners facing trial in Washington, D.C., the right to move their cases out of the 92% Democrat jurisdiction in order to secure a jury of their peers. The bill by Representative Louis Gohmert from Texas, a former judge, says that in the criminal trial of any individual for the commission of a cr criminal offense in the District of Columbia, the individual on trial may choose 
venue for the proceedings and trial to be in the district court for their district and division embracing that individual's primary residence, meaning you can be tried in your home district, in a federal court, but in your home district. Legislation is called the Matthew Lawrence Perna Act of 2022 after a man who killed himself because prosecutors wanted to put him in prison for years following his nonviolent presence at the Capitol on January 6th. Gomert said, Lawrence Perna was a guy that graduated at the top of his class at Penn State. He liked to travel to other countries and teach. He was a gentle soul. He liked Bernie Sanders, but then he liked the message of Donald Trump better. And he went to the Capitol on, on January 6th, Gomer told Newmax. He went into the Capitol without anybody trying to obstruct his entrance. He did nothing violent. He never has. And he was a target by the FBI's shock and awe campaign in which they used Gestapo tactics. Gomert, who is retiring this year, said the Democrats are going to allow it to come to the floor, aren't going to allow this bill to come to the floor by January 3rd, but it was important to file it to get that marker down so that when the Republicans leave or have the majority after January 3rd, this should get pushed forward. We're going to help push for this. We think this is absolutely something. I guess my question to you as a non-lawyer is, why do we need a House bill? I thought I thought people had a right to you know, to have a change of venue, it happens all the time in in mass murder cases and stuff where they say, well, the, the jury pool is prejudiced against him, so we're going to try him elsewhere. None of our people are mass murderers. Matter of fact, they didn't murder anybody. The only people that murdered people was our government, right? The state murdered five people. Joe Biden, get a clue, pal. Okay, so why do we even need this bill? I don't understand. You, it's clear you can't get, we did surveys, you can't get a fair trial if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, if you voted for Trump in Washington, D.C. I don't understand why we need this bill, but we will support this bill, okay? Now, here is the other bombshell from this week that you need to be aware of. And after the Democrats released their January 6th committee report, and I'll talk about that next, before they did that, House Republicans released their own little investigation. And you can read it. You can get a copy of it at our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. House finds stocks providing Pelosi, proving that Pelosi was responsible for January 6th. That's right. House um, GOP locates emails and texts showing Pelosi's office directly involved in the failed January 6th security. House Republicans gathered to a trove of texts and email messages showing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office was directly involved in the creation and editing of the Capitol security plan that failed during the January 6, 2021 riot, and that security office officials later declared they had been denied again and again the resources needed to protect one of the nation's most important homes of democracy. The internal communications were made public Wednesday in a report compiled by Republican representatives Rodney Davis, Jim Banks, Troy Nels, Jim Jordan, and Kelly Armstrong that encompasses the results of months of investigations they did of evidence that had been ignored by the Democrat-led January 6th committee. Yeah, Democratic January 6th committee didn't want to see any of this, but now you're going to see it. Uh, the lawsuits were authorized by House Majority, uh, lawmakers were authorized by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to do their own probe. 
The report concludes the Capitol was left vulnerable on January 6th as a result of failures by the Democrat leadership in the House and law enforcement leaders at the Capitol Police who allowed concerns about the optics of having armed officers and National Guards provided, Guardsmen provided to the public to override the need for enhanced security. Leadership and law enforcement's failures within the U.S. Capitol left the complex vulnerable on January 6th. The Democrat-led investigation in the House of Representatives, however, has disregarded those institutional failings that exposed the Capitol to violence that day, the report concluded. Banks said the GOP report helps counter a Democrat narrative that ignores security failures by police and political leadership, he said. Our report exposes the partisanship incompetence and indifference that led to the disaster on January 6th, and it shows the lead, that leading role Speaker Pelosi and her office played in the security failures at the Capitol. Unlike the sham January 6th committee, House Republicans produce a useful report that will keep out cap, that will help out Capitol and USC uh, Capitol Police offices and make them safe with no subpoena power and with no budget. So they did a report that's valuable. Learn from your mistakes. If you go to this story at wethepeopleconvention.org, you can actually click and download a PDF of the report. It's plain as day. It's real evidence. The January 6th report that was released in the dead of night because they're so embarrassed because it's such a fraud, okay? They had no substance. They just, you know, Donald Trump should be charged, right? Donald, we referred Donald Trump to, you know, to be charged by the DOJ for causing an insurrection with zero evidence. And, and, and the fact that no, none of the people who participated in the January 6th, you know, quote unquote, riot have been charged with insurrection really makes it hard to say that Donald Trump caused an insurrection when there wasn't one. So just so you won't be concerned, all right, here's a short clip from Alan Dershowitz about what's going to come of the referrals by the phony January 6th committee about Donald Trump, that he should be charged with crimes. Here's what Dershowitz had to say. What do you expect to transpire after these official referrals? Oh, nothing. I think the Justice Department will be polite and accept them uh, and then go on with its own investigation. Remember, they now have a special counsel. They have the ability to investigate. They have a much higher standard of prosecution than Congress does. And so they will politely ignore what Congress has said. And Congress knows that. You know, Jamie Raskin, my former student, used to teach constitutional law. He, he understands everything I've just said, but he puts partisanship before principle and before the Constitution. And, uh, you know, he's prepared to uh, fly in the face of the Constitution in order to get Trump, as so many others uh, today are willing to do, and the, the victims are the American public who are protected by the Constitution, you know, and, and we need to be protected by the Constitution because we're seeing the law weaponized, and, and once the Republicans get power, they'll probably do some of the same things. So the American public has to be protected against the weaponization of our legal system for partisan purposes. So let me just make a comment and correct the, the professor. Uh, you know, Mr. Dershowitz. Be, here, let me just say something. Weaponizing the government for political, political purposes, my definition of that is when they, they come up with phony charges, when they lie, when it's Russia, 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 and an illegal, uh, a completely unverified, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
portfolio charging, you know, Trump, right, with all these crimes that he didn't commit. It's, it's the Hunter Biden laptop and saying, you know, it's, it's Russian disinformation. That's weaponizing the government against the American people. What Jim Jordan and the House and what we want is we don't want to weaponize the government as in we don't want to go after them with bogus claims, right? We're going after them with honest, true claims. The, the House just said Nancy Pelosi personally changed, wrote the security laws, denied the National Guard, did not listen to security experts, did not listen to President Trump. That's not weaponizing government. That's government doing its job. So, Alan, when the Republicans get power, it's not going to be weaponizing government against their political opponents. That's what Democrats do. That's what communists do. That's not what we do. We're going to apply the law. We don't want vengeance. We want justice. You got it? Capiche? It's not weaponizing if it's true. All right. Now, you know, January 6th was all about what? A phony election in 2020. And we're still fighting that fight. And I know a lot of you guys were tuned in this week to the Cary Lake trial. Uh, in Arizona, the election trial. Carrie Lake's not on trial. The, the election system in Maricopa County's on trial. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. As I showed you last week, um, you know, the way we're handling these things, all right, the way that we're, we're doing this is on the page where, you know, in our website, on the front page, there's a, a, as soon as you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, it says, view the latest on Carrie Lake trial. And when you go there, you're going to go to this page. All right. And as you can see on this page, there's all these big links. And so you can get the latest. So during the week, we sent you text messages and, and uh, emails saying, watch the Carrie Lake uh, election trial live. And we streamed it live on our page. And thousands of you came and watched it there. So thank you for that. And if you're not getting our emails, our text messages, just go to wethepeopleconvention.org, put them in right on the front page. You, you, know, you click on the thing, and there's an opt-in form, okay? But so on this page today, this morning, and I just updated again this morning, uh, you know, uh, you can see Carrie Lake's statement after her, her trial. So after the trial, she comes out, makes like a two-minute statement. She'll kind of bring up the date on what she's thinking. Uh, there were multiple things that were very big. Uh, day two, smoking gun alert and Carrie Lake election lawsuit. I'm going to talk about that now. And the printer settings changed on election day, linked to tabulators rejecting ballots. Okay, there's so there's two main things that Carrie Lake's legal team proved during this two-day trial. Okay, and the bar is high because the judges told them that they not only have to they have to prove that the things that happened affected the outcome of the election. Now she only lost by like seventeen thousand votes, so you know that's not a lot of votes. And these things affected hundreds of thousands of people. But then they're saying you have to church, prove that there was intent. Okay? So this is a hard bar. But here's what happened. There's two things that are really happening. Uh, let's see. Election director Scott Jarrett confirmed that the printer settings were changed that led to the mass disenfranchisement of Arizona voters uh, on election day. Okay? The machines weren't changed by an act of God. They were changed by a technician at dozens of the locations across the valley. There is no explanation other than criminal intent. Now, 
the, the, the Maricopa people are saying, oh, it wasn't, you know, he didn't, the technician didn't mean to do this. It was a mistake, except here's the problem. The machines were all tested the night before and they all worked. In the morning, this technician comes in, changes the settings on purpose, and all of a sudden, the machines don't work. Okay? That's not an accident. Why was he doing that? No explanation. They also have found things. Um, let me see. I'm just reading some Twitter posts here. Scott Jarrett is back and admits under oath that ballots on demand printers had issues on election day, and they are still in the middle of their root cause analysis of the printer issues. Like, oh, we don't know why this happened. We're trying to figure it out. One of the things that happened besides the, the tabulators not accepting these ballots was that an expert for Kerry Lake said, listen, the ballot paper is supposed to be 20 inches. They printed 19-inch ballots on 20-inch paper, and that's why the tabulators didn't recognize them, because it was all off. Why did that happen? Why only on Election Day? There were also issues with chain of custody, okay? The, there was a, a problem with the people who voted and had to put their stuff in bin three and all that. Those bins, those ballots, were not counted at the voting center as is required by Arizona law. And then they were just put in these boxes and shipped to the, the uh, main center for processing where they were counted. Well, you have no chain of custody. Okay, and these are the ones that you know didn't go through the tabulators and went into box three. Well, you gotta have chain of custody. How many were counted there? How many were counted here? They don't have that. These are two major violations, and that chain of custody is against the law. Now, we don't know what's going to happen, folks. We don't know because the judge now, and we think the judge has been pretty fair. I've watched a lot of people who've witnessed it, legal experts. They said the judge is really trying to do the right thing. God only knows what kind of political pressure this guy is under, all right, this Judge Thompson. But He's going to rule maybe today, this, you know, Christmas Eve, because the problem is the time frame. Because you have to, if you're going to hold another election, if he rules, hey, this is enough to spoil the election, Maricopa County's got to have a new election. They got to get that done by like January 10th when they swear in the governor. So it has to be like next week. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm praying. I hope you're praying uh, because this clearly was, was, a horrible situation in Maricopa, right? Thousands, tens of thousands of Republicans were denied the chance to vote because the lines were so long and, and their ballots couldn't be read. And, and that was not an accident. And these people all need to be fired, if not charged, right? We think they should be charged. We think there's intent here. But will the judge rule? I think it's it's a long shot, but it could happen. God God works in strange ways. Okay, I do think this will be appealed regardless of how it comes out, and that's going to delay it. And so I don't know what what that all means. But, you know, I'm proud of Carrie Lake and I'm proud of her team. I'm glad that we, the, uh, the We the People Convention, donated to help her legal defense. I thank all of you who did the same. We have to fight this fight. We've taken steps. When they've said, oh, no courts ever found that, you know, there was problems in an election, well, even if they don't say 
Carrie Lake, you're the governor, or Carrie, we're going to have a new election. They're going to say these irregularities affected the election and they should not happen again. And that is going to be the first time in court we get a court to say the interlections were interfered with and it could have affected the outcome. That's a step forward for us. Now, again, you know, moral victories, I know you and I are sick of that crap, right? We need real wins here, and I'm praying to God that we get one. But at least we're fighting the fight, and you can't win if you don't fight. Now, I was very disappointed in this. Uh, right, you know, when the, the lake trial got started, uh, we had a judge dismiss the through the vote suit that was filed in Mojave County, which I thought was a really good suit. Okay. And this is a suit about Mar- uh, Maricopa County used an artificial intelligence scanning software to see if the signatures on the absentee ballots matched the signatures on file at the Board of Elections. This is a really good suit because this, they didn't test the software and the software is not, uh, is not authorized by the state of Arizona. So we thought this was a really good chance to reverse the election with Mojave County where we expected to get a fair trial. And what happens? An election lawsuit brought by Arizona State Senator Sonny Borelli that challenged Governor-elect Katie Hobbs' win was dismissed because, according to the judge, he waited too long to serve the defendants. Borelli, a Republican, filed the lawsuit earlier this week on behalf of Mojave County voters who he said were disenfranchised by Maricopa County's ballot signature verification process during the November 8th election. Now, true the votes, lawyers did this. Borelli was just, you know, the plaintiff, you know, true the vote did this. Mojave County Superior Court Judge Lee Jansen wrote on December 16th that lawyers for Borelli waited too long to serve the defendants, including Hobbs and others, according to local reports. Jansen refused to give the state senator's attorneys more time to serve summaries of defendants, saying that there was no way to resolve the case in time allotted under state law, partially because this artificial intelligence claim would require expert witnesses to testify about whether this was legitimate or not. And, and so the judge didn't think there was enough time. So I've, obviously, I was devastated. I wrote to Catherine Engelbrecht. She was obviously not happy. She wrote back. She said, hi, Tom. Yeah, what's worse is that it was the court's clerk's error, not ours. We could have appealed, but instead we threw in with the Lake team on the election contest piece and preserved the rest of our case to fully try in the spring so it's definitely not over. Never quit. Catherine Engelbrecht reminding us, never quit. So they're saving, they're preserving their case, and they're probably going to refile it in the spring, which is not going to change the election, but it's going to change the way they conducted this election. So again... We keep fighting. It's grudgingly, right? It's hard, but we got to do it, and we're doing it. So, congrats to you know Catherine and True the Votes, you know, for keeping the fight. Thank you to any of you guys who give to True the Vote. We really appreciate that. Okay, so now if that wasn't bad enough, we're going to take a kind of a dark turn here. We're going to talk first about the disgraceful omnibus, okay? And uh, as you guys know, if, you know, when you get the emails and texts from us at We the People Convention, you know, we had a uh, a, a 
link on about Rand Paul calling out the absurd 1.7 trillion omnibus bill while Mitch McConnell, you know, was was praising this thing. Okay, and we put you know videos on this that I'm going to play for you now. They're kind of short, uh, but uh, Republican Senate uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell praised the omnibus spending bill to fund the government through September 2023 during a press conference Tuesday, despite Republican House members crying foul. Okay, and and here's here's Rand Paul, you know, statement on 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 this. And again, just to give you some perspective, and we always talk about truth and perspective on this podcast. Here's some perspective. Listen to what Rand Paul says. If this is winning, I'm getting tired of winning. GOP leadership declares that this bill is a victory, but not unless you define victory as adding over a trillion dollars in new deficit spending. So really, there is a debate, a big debate within the Republican Party. Which is more important? Is it more important to add $45 billion to military spending, or is it more important not to add a trillion dollars in deficit to our overall debt? We now have a $31 trillion debt. We're adding over a trillion dollars a year, and yet Republican leadership says this is a victory because we're getting more military spending. But it's a victory at what expense? Are we actually more secure? Are we more safe? Is our national security more protected by spending more on the military? Or is our national security actually more threatened by incurring more debt? I would argue the latter. $31 trillion in debt is the number one threat to our national security. And it is. National defense is the most important thing about you know this this bill and in national security is debt that makes us vulnerable to our enemies Rand Paul spells it out but Mitch McConnell is all excited calls this a win because we raise the the funding for our defense department by as much or more than inflation which is his concern that you know our our military is not getting you know keeping up with inflation, which the government is causing with these bills that spend 1.79 trillion dollars of money we don't have, right? It's insane. These people are insane. Their logic makes no sense. And then and then you know McCarthy uh, or what's his name McConnell had this to say, right? You all saw this clip. Assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. Yeah, most Republicans see funding the Ukrainians fight against the Russians as like the most important thing. It's not. The invasion on our border is the most important thing. In this bill, ladies and gentlemen, we need to take this bill and put it in context with the other pieces of garbage that just got passed. The disrespect for marriage amendment, our bill, that just got passed by Republicans. Go back to the, you know, the, uh, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the Green New Deal Great uh, your reset, new world order attack on our 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 energy sector. 
okay, which Republicans passed, led by Mitch McConnell, okay? Put these together. They are sticking it in your face and saying, you don't matter. We don't give a damn what you think. We don't care that you voted for us because we know that once we're elected, we don't have to do anything you want us to do. 18 Republican senators voted for this piece of garbage that funds border walls in like six foreign countries and has language in it that uh, that says that the money we're given to the uh, border secure to our border uh, department, okay, Homeland Security and 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 you know our border people, that that money cannot be used to stop people from coming in. It can only be used to process the millions that are coming in. This is insane. Victor Davis Hanson wrote a, an op-ed this week, and he just said, "What would you do if you wanted to destroy America?" And he lists it, and that's exactly what they're doing. And not just Democrats, Republicans, the unit party, the deep state, because they're not affected. This stuff, they just steal this stuff. They're just, the money's going to their friends. They have stocks and, and things in Raytheon and the, the war you know, machine. They're making billions their friends are making trillions, and we're being destroyed. We're being destroyed, but it's a win, as Rand Paul said, right? You know, it's a win. And so, you know, Mike Lee made a good effort, and I almost sent you an email on Thursday and a text saying, let's start making phone calls because Mike Lee threw a wrench in the whole thing by putting an amendment out that the Senate had a vote on that that would have required only 51 votes. Remember, there's there's for a 50-50 split right now in the Senate. That's going to be 51-49 in January, okay, after the election in, in November. But at 50-50, we needed 51 votes. And this, this amendment that Lee put in says that if uh, the – uh, the uh, issue 42, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm having a tough time with some of these things. The, you know, that thing that allows us to keep illegals out of the country because of COVID that's now in the Supreme Court and has been, you know, held back by Chief Justice Roberts to give the Biden administration some, some time to figure this out. Lee's amendment would have said, if issue 42 goes away, so does all the funding for the border stuff that the Dems wanted. And they were not going to vote for that. So what happens? Oh, you know, Schumer gets cinema, right? The one who says, I'm leaving the Democratic Party because of my values and stuff. She works with uh, Schumer to put up a parallel amendment that basically you know, adds some things for some border wall repair and some stuff like that, that the Republicans could vote for that would allow them to vote against the Lee Amendment, right? So it's political cover. It's a game. So they hold that vote on, thir on fr uh, Thursday morning, okay? And what happens? Both of them fail. And so now the bill can go forward just like it was written. All right? So Mike Lee makes a stand. And Rand Paul was making a stand. And some of the others were fighting. But here's the part that's just disgusting. So they make a stand on the immigration issue. And this story comes out that just kills me. 
Republicans hope Supreme Court will help alleviate the border crisis. Right? And meaning, well, we don't want to do our jobs. You want to alleviate the border crisis? You just had your chance. Republicans, you just had your chance. But instead, you're glad to see the Supreme Court inject some temporary sanity into the situation. Right? Well, that's bullcrap. You're just not doing your job. Republicans are now looking to the U.S. Supreme Court to help alleviate the crisis at the southern border. The high court intervened Monday to temporarily halt the expiration of a Trump-era border policy that has been one of the few measures slowing the expulsion of illegal immigrants at the southern border. Uh, the policy in question, Title 42, was enacted by the Trump administration to help border officials expedite the expulsion of illegal immigrants to help stop the spread of COVID-19 in the U.S. That policy was set to expire Monday before Supreme Court intervened after a coalition of states submitted a legal challenge. Okay? So again, here we are kicking the ball down the road. We've talked about this. We've talked about, you know, how broke our government is because there is no, there is no due process. There is no order, right? The, the, the you know, the, thing we talked about where in Congress, you know, they have to have appropriations and committees and you have regular order. That's all gone. And instead, these cowards want the Supreme Court to do their job. Now, again, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, as we talked last week, is still fighting to become the speaker. And I'll tell you, it's getting pretty serious. They were actually briefing uh, Scalise, who's second in charge. Scalise is the congressman who was shot by the Bernie Sanders loving, you know, commie, you know, with violence on the softball field back in 16 or whatever that was. Okay. And they're actually talking to him about getting ready because McCarthy may not become the speaker. But here's what McCarthy did, which was a pretty smart move. McCarthy, Senate GOP bill dead on arrival on House if they backed this failed, uh, this funding measure. Okay. So what does this mean? It means that the speaker, you know, if McCarthy becomes the speaker, He's telling the senators who voted for this omnibus bill that if you put forward any legislation in the Senate and it passes the Senate and comes to the House, the House will not even take it up. Now, I'll believe that when I see it. A group of House Republicans penned a letter to their Senate counterparts urging them to oppose a $1.7 trillion full-year government spending bill threatening that they will oppose any bills backed by GOP lawmakers who support the measure. We are aligned to inform you that uh, we are obliged to inform you that in any if any omnibus passes in the remaining days of this Congress, we will oppose and whip opposition to any legislative priority of those senators who voted for this bill, including the Republican leaders, the letter released Monday said. Uh, so McCarthy said he agreed, except there's no need to whip. When I'm Speaker, their bills will be dead on arrival in the House if this nearly $2 trillion monstrosity is allowed to move forward over our objections and the will of the American people. Okay? So, again, that's a creative way to put pressure on these people. It didn't work because I don't think they believe them. I don't think the Republicans in the Senate believed the, the House, and that McCarthy in particular, would actually follow through with this. Okay? So, they jammed this thing down our throats. And it's it's a hurtful bill. It funds all these left-wing things. Uh, I mean, Nancy Pelosi gets a, a federal building built and named after her. 
They're going to build the, the FBI, a, a new headquarters, and they've increased their funding for the FBI in light of the Twitter stuff. I talked about the border money, right? That they're funding borders to build walls in foreign countries, but not ours. And then, of course, there's the insane Ukraine crap with this circus of Zelensky coming here, you know, to the to our Congress in the middle of this whole thing. They can't take time out to talk to us or to listen to us. We got to rush this bill through. Oh, by the way, Schumer actually insulted your intelligence by saying, well, there's urgency here because we got to pass this bill before the weather bomb goes off and we can't get out of Washington. You should spend $1.7 trillion of American taxpayer money that is borrowed, that is printed, that we don't have. You should spend that money that is detrimental to the, the average American because you got to get home for Christmas before the weather. Yeah. Okay? So, of course, in this bill, what do they got? They've got money to fund the DOJ to go after you and I. I'm not making this up. Omnibus bill has extra funds for DOJ to pursue more January 6th lawsuits. The 1.6 million trillion 4,155-page Omnibus government funding bill released early Tuesday morning contains funds for the Justice Department to pursue additional lawsuits related to the January 6, 2021 breach of the U.S. Capitol. The bill has various funds based on January 6th events. It would give U.S. attorneys $2.63 billion, an increase of $212 million to further support prosecutions related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol and domestic terrorism cases, according to the summary provided by the House Appropriations Committee. How's that look compared to the $80,000 that we've given to the January 6th fund? How's that a fair fight? How's that for them not to give, not to follow the law, but to create law, to create things out of whole cloth, to charge peace with, with conspiracy to commit treason and insurrection and all kinds of things that were not true, to overcharge these people, to deny them their rights. That's in this bill. Republicans voted for this. In the House, Republicans voted for this. It's disgusting. The bill also has $734 million more for the U.S. Capitol Police, up $132 million over fiscal 2022. That includes incentives for law enforcement personnel for overtime pay, officer retention, and recruiting. These benefits include tuition credits, wellness, and trauma counseling. Yeah, could we have some trauma counseling for the January 6th prisoners? Huh? Could we have some help for their families? You're getting the picture. The deep state is real, and we don't matter. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in the second half of the podcast. But I've got one more piece here, and we'll take a break, okay? This is a good story, because with this going on, with the feds being so out of control and ignoring us, okay, we need to start to defend ourselves at the state level. And we've been looking hard at this. And this story came out yesterday, and I was glad to see it. Ohio closer to creating office to monitor, monitor potential federal overreach. This is from the Ohio Press Network on December 21st. 
Ohio is one step away from having a dedicated office to monitor a presidential administration for potential abuse or overreach. New legislation recently passed by the General Assembly that waits on signature of Governor Mike DeWine would create the 10th Amendment Center with the office of Ohio Solicitor General. The idea, according to Attorney General Dave Yost, would be to help ensure government power. The principles of federalism, the idea that power is shared among multiple levels of government instead of concentrated into a single level, is indelibly etched into the foundation of our nation through the Tenth Amendment, Yo said. Thanks to Representative Jeff LaRue and Representative Adam Byrd for helping us to codify this crucial function in our office. Already this month, Yost has been involved with two multi-state efforts challenging the Biden administration. One dealt with immigration, the other with the Environmental Protection Agency, which we're winning. And the first one is about the Title 42 thing, okay? Uh, House Bill 506 creates the new Center for Activity Monitor Federal Executive Orders and report possible overreach to the Solicitor General, who would then advise the Attorney General on possible state involvement. Larie from Violet Township in Ohio said monitoring our federal overreach has become a laborious job in and of itself. Federalism is a foundational piece of our U.S. Constitution. That is why, as members of state government, I must do what I can to protect the rights that were reserved to us, to the state, under the Tenth Amendment. I am appreciative of the General Assembly's support for House Bill 506 and look forward to it being signed into law in the near future. So this is what we have to look for. You have to look for in your state. We are under assault by the overbearing federal government. They've gotten way too big, way too powerful. We are going to have to fight them and stop them. This effort in Ohio needs to be replicated in all 50 states because otherwise we're dead. We will have no freedom or liberty. We must protect our rights as a state, and I was glad to see that. Okay? So thank you for watching the first half of the podcast. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back for the second half. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast, and my name is Tom Zawistowski. The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button. And if you click it, it'll actually download the, po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much. But there's our podcast playing. And you can see this little you know, download button. Okay. The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What you know, Something was wrong, or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories, that, to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can, you can click on that. 
Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you, know, uh, you know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support. But uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We the People convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday, and in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. We also, you know, thank our, our donors for, you know, helping us out. We appreciate that. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, but I want everyone watching this to know that I know you can't all donate, especially in the times we're in now. Things are tough, man. It's, it's, it's just amazing how much prices are going up. One of our friends talked about how she, uh, you know, would go to the grocery store and, you know, prices would go up, but normally a price would go up and it would stay at that level for a month or two. And she says, now every time I go to the store, that item's price goes up. So I know many of you cannot donate. And, and we understand that. And we are so grateful for those of you who do donate because we know, you know, it's, it's, it's not just money you don't, you know, you can throw around. You're making a sacrifice to support our efforts, and we appreciate that. But also, for those of you who can't donate, what's more important is that you share this podcast and our website with everyone you know. Because I think in the beginning of the show, you heard some things and some opinions you aren't going to get anywhere else. You're not going to get on Fox News, okay? And you're going to hear some things in the second half that you've never heard and that everyone needs to hear. Because it's going to get a little dark here, I got to tell you. I also want to encourage people to download our, our phone app. Uh, you know, go to you know Apple Play Store or the Google Store, 
uh, Apple Store, Google's uh, Play Store, and just search on WTPC Space Convention. That's our app's name, We the People Convention, WTPC Space Convention. Download the app, and I can then send you notifications for free once you download it that saves us money from the text that we send out, okay? Um, you know, I, I ended the first half talking about how it's really clear. You and I know this. No one is representing us at all. Matter of fact, if they wanted to, the system is so rigged, they can't. So for the few people we mentioned, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz in the house, Matt Gates, Gibbs, you know, uh, you know, some of these people who, you know, who have done good work for us, they're fighting a system that's designed to not represent us. Okay. So I was looking in the constitution because I, I was concerned with, you know, we want regular order. And that's one of the things we want this house to institute. But it doesn't look like they're going to do it. And when you don't do regular order, then you're and my representative, who we elect, who the Constitution gives us the right to elect our representatives, right? They don't get to represent us. So I was questioning whether we could file suit to restore regular order because our constitutional rights were being violated. Except for what? Go look in the Constitution. Do we have a right to be represented? Does it say anything in the Constitution that we have the right to be represented? It does not. It says we have a right to vote for our representatives, but it doesn't say they have to represent us. Now, we know that. Right? We're a republic, not a democracy, because we don't want mob rule. Got it. Love it. Saved our country from being France. Thank God. Okay? But we have the opposite. Because there was, in the beginning, the thing that if I voted for you to be my congressman or my senator, you had a moral responsibility, if not a legal responsibility, to represent me, to represent your district. That's gone. They don't even bother pretending. And they say, well, you know, you can't tell us how to vote, you know, but you, you got to, if you don't like what we do, you can throw us out. Except you can't. 96% of all congressmen and senators who are incumbents who run for re-election win because they've rigged it. They've got more money than God from all these lobbyists and people who use them to get our tax dollars. This omnibus bill, $1.7 trillion. How much of that money do you think is going back to those senators and going back to those House people who voted for it from the lobbyists who wrote the damn thing? You think Pelosi, Schumer, uh, McConnell, uh, and, and, and McCarthy wrote that? <laughs> K Street wrote that. Okay? So getting my point, the Constitution does not say anyone has to represent us, and they're not. The right to vote for your representative is worthless, and they're proving it. They just prove it this week. Okay? But it's worse. It's going to get worse. We're going to talk now, and it's going to get worse. So 
you know all the stuff that's going on, you know, with Twitter, right? I mean, you can't have more evidence. Story after story. We're on the eighth, the eighth Twitter dump, and it's now showing us that the FBI had 80 people in Twitter who were telling Twitter people who to censor, taking free speech from American citizens completely against the First Amendment. There's no doubt there was cause, there was, you know, direct command and control. Take these down. Yes, sir, we will. And they, and we now are investigating other social media and other corporations and other media like TV and broadcast stuff. So what does the FBI do? They send out this absolutely insulting piece of garbage. Attempts to discredit agency FBI response to Twitter files. Okay? Listen to this garbage. The Federal Bureau of Investigation issued a new statement Wednesday following the latest Twitter file dump. The FBI accused the Twitter files release as an attempt to discredit the agency by disclosing information on the FBI correspondence with Twitter in October 2020. Journalist Matt Taibbi revealed that the agency warned the previous executives of Twitter of a hack and leak by state actors surrounding the story of Hunter Biden's laptop to influence the 2020 presidential election. The correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional, long-standing, and ongoing federal government and private sector engagement, which involved numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries, said the FBI. As evidence in the correspondence, the FBI provides crucial information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their consumers, their customers. The men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public, the statement said. If it, is, it is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation, don't you know, misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency, the agency concluded. Well, the Twitter files revealed that the FBI and Twitter were closely in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. Internal documents published just Monday found that the FBI paid Twitter $3.5 million between October 19th and February 20, uh, October of 2019 and February of 2021 for managing its financial burdens caused while complying with the agency's requests. Okay? They paid him $3.5 million to comply with the orders, not requests. They were orders. Um, Republican Kentucky uh, Representative James Comer, the incoming House uh, Oversight Chair, said Tuesday that Congress should block funding of the FBI until it disclosed the alleged, uh, it disclosed the alleged involvement in big tech censorship. In the beginning, I thought there were probably two or three rogue employees who were orchestrating this cover-up of the Hunter Biden laptop story. But now we know the FBI had a division of at least 80 agents inside Twitter. We also know that the FBI paid Twitter nearly $3 million for their time, all the time they took over the past couple of years in, t in telling them who to suppress, who to ban. You know, it's just the things that the government has no role in and has no legal right to do. Okay? The evidence is right there, and they're saying, oh, you're just trying to discredit us. That's how sick this is, folks. Nothing to see here. And I start with this story because you're going to see this theme carried out now, right? Because we're the deep state. You have no right to question us. And Congress, you have no right to investigate us. 
And we just deny and deny and deny. So instead of defunding them, we're building them a new building to hire more agents to do more deep state work against the American people. That's what the bill just did. That's what Republicans just voted for. Okay? So now you're going to have to follow me with this story because it's kind of a little deeper thing. Our FBI and CIA agents sheep dipped at Twitter and other tech companies. This is from The Federalist, and it's written by Mark Hemingway. Okay? So follow me on this. According to the latest drop of Twitter files from Michael Schnellenberg, as of 2020, there were so many former FBI employees working at Twitter that they had created their own private Slack channel and crib sheet for onboarding new FBI arrivals. It appears Twitter still has 14 employees on the payroll right now who work at the FBI or CIA. The problem isn't just confined to Twitter. My colleagues at the Federalist contributor Ben Weingart recently wrote an article for the New York Post inside revolving door between deep state Democrats and big tech. In addition to covering what was happening at Twitter, Weingarten detailed a broader number of suspicious links between Silicon Valley and the U.S. intelligence agencies. Given the near constant string of deep state scandals and social media censorship we've endured in recent years, a big question we should be, all be trying to answer right now is, what exactly are these people doing at these tech companies? So far, the answer appears to be they're almost certainly up to no good after the first batch of Twitter files dropped, right? It was, uh, it was uh, revealed that Elon Musk fired Twitter Deputy General Counsel James Baker, who was fundamental in doing the Russia-Russia scandal. He was at the FBI lying about Trump and Russia-Russia-Russia was going to be prosecuted or under scrutiny, and he leaves and goes to Twitter to do what? To continue pushing Russia-Russia-Russia. Right? And then to do the censorship and then to cover up the Hunter Biden laptop, which they had since 2019. They knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. The FBI knew it wasn't Russian disinformation, and they still told all these social media agents it was a result of a hack and Russian misinformation. That's criminal. Period. End of statement. Okay? So, anyway... It basically, this article talks about, uh, I, you know, I want to know how many of these FBI agents are sheep dipped in the intelligence world. Sheep dipping is a term of art. It describes a tactic whereby a member of the military or, a, a, you know, CIA, NSA, whatever, is officially discharged from service to do covert work. In secret, they are still eligible for rank promotions and military benefits. And he talks about how his family, his father was sheep dipped. When in Vietnam, okay, and was undercover in like Cambodia or Laos, and then you know, still was in the military, but they pretended he wasn't. So if he got caught, there's nothing to see here, okay? So this is what this article is about, and I'll, I will link to it. Here's the problem these they think the FBI has decided that elections don't matter, there is no oversight. They can do anything they want and get away with it. And it's all they have to do is just keep intimidating people from talking about it, right? And control the media, right? That, that's the bottom line. So I want to now come to this part of the podcast that I think is, is really bad, really sad. On our website, you will see this article. 
This is Tucker Carlson talking about evidence suggests that the CIA was involved in the Kennedy assassination. And it's a thing called the CIA and JFK. And folks, this is what it says. Tucker Carlson says the CIA was involved in President Kennedy's assassination. And J.F. Kennedy Jr. agrees. Then Jeff Shepard comes on Steve Bannon's show and exposes how the impeachment of President Nixon was another coup by the deep state. And it looks a lot like the coup the deep state conducted on President Trump. The evidence suggests that the CIA, NSA, FBI has removed three presidents in our lifetime illegally that they killed Kennedy they got rid of Nixon, who had just won an overwhelming victory, huge victory. They got rid of Nixon, who didn't even authorize the break into the Watergate. And this Shepard guy, you'll see a video from this Shepard guy on our website where he talks about his investigations of how you know Woodward and Burstein were just a bunch of stooges who Hollywood made into these heroes. Bullcrap. They were set up by the deep state to be the source. They were fed everything. They didn't investigate crap. And then it turns out that this guy has learned that the FBI was talking directly to the judge in the Watergate case, feeding them information illegally about Nixon, and that they that Alderman, or Ehrlichman, I think it was Alderman, went to confess that they were responsible for the break-in and he was flipped to go against Nixon so the deep state could get rid of him. Okay? And then on this page, on our website, you'll see a video with Steve Bannon, you know, talking about how this is exactly what they did to Trump. So what does this mean, okay? What does this all mean? And, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. tweeted after Tucker Carlson's you know, video, which you can see the video on our website. Go to our website and play the video of they have Tucker Carlson says we have a source who has seen the JFK files and he says that the CIA was likely involved with killing Kennedy. There's all kinds of evidence. And then you'll see the video with this Shepherd guy, okay, Jeff Shepherd and the books he's written, and then you'll see the video of, of Bannon talking about this, okay? He says Dare to call it treason? Elon Musk's Twitter files exposing conspiracy between the FBI, CIA agents, and big tech to sway elections results. Here's what Glenn Beck had to say. So what we have here is now a confirming conspiracy, a confirmed conspiracy whereby government agents convinced media platforms to actively work to change the outcome of an election. Musk, now CEO and owner of Twitter, has openly stated that now-fired employees of his company engaged in election interference. When done by private employees of a private company, election interference may be illegal. When done by government agents, it may rise to the level of treason, since they subvert the constitutionally mandated process of free and fair elections. Here's the bottom line. We don't have fair elections. We don't have free elections. The CIA, it go back to, to you know, the FBI under Hoover and 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 uh, and you know you know just the history of our deep state. I've been going back, and I want some of you guys to go back and look at this. I'd like to find a good book, and if you got one to suggest, I really want to look at Dwight D. Eisenhower as president because his speech 
about the threat of the military-industrial complex, I think that actually talks about the CIA, NSA, deep state bureaucrats who are controlling the government. I think that's what Eisenhower was really warning about. Not that it was about money, okay? That they were going to steal our money by having wars continuously so they could make all kinds of money making weapons. I think there's more to it. And if you guys have a novel book about Eisenhower, I'd like to read it. Because I'm now thinking that the last real president of the United States was Dwight D. Eisenhower. I really believe that. They killed Kennedy. Johnson was a criminal. They got rid of Nixon, right? They brought in Carter. Bush was a deep state CIA guy, right? Bush, what did, you know, Reagan comes in. They got to get rid of Reagan. You know, he gets shot. He lives. But, you know, they try to go after him with an Iran-Contra. Now you bring in Bush. What does he do first thing? Gets rid of everything. Everything that Reagan did, right? Then you go into uh, Clinton, who was selling two-stage missile technology, giving it to the Chinese in, in exchange for donations, completely compromised, right? Folks, here's what I'm here to tell you. Here's what I'm wrestling with on this Christmas Eve. We don't live in the United States of America. There is no constitution. There's no rule of law. We are living in a, you could call it a totalitarian surveillance state. The FBI, CIA, doesn't follow the law. We have laws in the book that say what they did at Twitter is illegal. It's illegal. And Christopher Ray puts out a press release saying that you're just trying to discredit us. That's the chutzpah. They are the government. There is no U.S. government. There is no our government. None of these people who, quote, unquote, we elect to represent us, represent us. They never will. They can't. We are in serious trouble, okay? Serious trouble. Because nothing we think is true is true. And so is this the time to start talking about individual states leaving the union? Are your states following the Constitution? In Ohio, our legislature and our uh, executive branch looks a lot like the federal government. Not, our representatives in our house don't don't represent us, and our state, you know, uh, you know, executives don't listen to us. Now it's not as bad as the federal government, but it's pretty bad. And I bet that's the same for you, a lot of your states. So can we start focusing now on? You know, doing something in our states to build up our freedoms and liberty and protections? Is that the answer? The bottom line is that we are in an untenable position, right? I mean, here's what Frank Church had to say. Just watch this video. The United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor the messages that go through the air. Uh, these messages uh, are between ships at sea. They could be between units, uh, military units in the field. We have a very extensive capability of 
intercepting messages wherever they may be in the airwaves. Now that is necessary and important to the United States as we look abroad at enemies or potential enemies. We must know. At the same time, that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people. And no American would have any privacy left, such as the capability to monitor everything, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. If this government ever became a tyranny, if a dictator ever took charge in this country, the technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America. And we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision so that we never cross over that abyss. There, that's the abyss. Yeah, that's from 1976. Frank Church from the Church Commission, right? We've crossed the bridge. They're doing all of that and more with social media. It is tyranny. And guess what? The intelligence agencies didn't give it to the government. They kept it for themselves. And they used blackmail. They blackmail these people who are elected. Right? They blackmail them so they do what the intelligence agencies want. The intelligence agencies are in charge of the United States. And they are no better than the commies in China because they want to surveil you, they want to censor you, they want to break down your door because you dared to exercise what you thought was your constitutional right to free speech and stepped on the Capitol grounds on January 6th. Right? Wake up. We all need to open our eyes, wake up. Frank Church was right. They're talking now about a church-style commission to investigate the Hunter Biden laptop. Well, what do you think it's going to find? The question is, who is going to stop these people? Who is going to stop them? And how do you gain enough public support and outrage when most people aren't going to see this podcast. They're not going to understand that the CIA killed Kennedy. They removed Nixon. They got rid of Trump. Okay? They don't understand what just happened with these bills that just got passed. They weren't passed under regular order. They weren't passed as our representatives. They weren't passed with us even in mind. They were passed with the deep state's demands. You will do this, this, and this. That's what they were passed with, okay? And again, 
how bad is this? Well, we talk about the media and social media being like Pravda. And the left, the, I mean, these people blatantly talk on MSLSD and Clinton News Network and ABC and CBS and the Washington Post about how there's not enough censorship. You know, you know, misinformation is hate speech, is dangerous. Your free speech is violence, right? How much more communist double talk bullcrap is that? And yet they're speaking it out loud with impunity. And people are going, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? So what do you have? You have, you know, this story that came out this week. Whoops, Biden's uh, you know, overstated jobs numbers by more than 1 million, raising manipulation concerns, don't you know? Raising manipulation concerns. Oh, really? You mean like, how about when he goes out before the election and says, we're going to forgive all you guys who we want to vote for us, we're going to forgive your student loans if you make up to like $100,000 a year. Knowing full well it's illegal, he does an executive order because he can't pass it through Congress, all right? And the courts are going to throw it out, and they still have thrown it out. It was a lie. What happened? All the media. That's all they talked about. Isn't Joe Biden great, right? Propaganda. Pravda. Uh, how about, oh, Social Security? I know those of you who are on Social Security just got a letter in the mail this month that tells what your Social Security check is going to be next year. And we got like an 8.8% raise because inflation is like 13%. So we're still losing. But, oh, that letter, geez, they had to send that uh, out before the election, don't you know? So all you seniors who might be upset about inflation and who are you know, maybe going to vote for those nasty Republicans who, of course, want to cut your Social Security, yeah, yeah, look, we're the good guys. We're protecting you, even though we're stealing from you. Right? And what did the media do? Oh, boy, let's analyze this. Look at all biggest raise in 40 years. Unbelievable. Joe Biden, wow. How about, um, you know, uh, the, the whole thing about the oil, draining the oil from our reserves to falsely bring down the price of gasoline just for the election? Because I got news for folks. Starting in January, it's going way up, way up, because you voted for these damn Democrats. Because you voted for your rulers. You voted to them to rule over you. Not you guys. I know the people watching this didn't vote for the Democrats. But the Republicans are the same thing. That's the problem. We didn't have anybody to vote for. They're all part of the cabal. Because they're all controlled by the deep state. Okay? So, yeah. So, of course, before the election, they have this announcement about, oh, my economic program is working great. Over, uh, you know, we we're up by a million jobs. Right? That's a lie. And it's not a lie because I said it's a lie. The Philadelphia Fed contends its metrics are more reliable because it draws data from more comprehensive, accurate job estimates released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics as part of the quarterly census. Okay? It's just it's just real simple that they lied on purpose about jobs, just like they lie about the unemployment rate, just like they lie about inflation. Oh, we're going to talk to you about inflation, but we're not going to count certain things like gasoline, right? How do we exist in a world where not only is our government lying to us every second, but they control the media 
and every way for us to fight back. How do we survive? We're going to have to take a new tact. We can't do this to the Republican Party. You can't. We have to find a different way, folks, whether it's through the states or, or, or locally or whatever. We are in real danger, see? And the problem is there's going to be a revolution. There has to be. And you guys write to me. I have people write to me all the time. When are we going to wake up, get our guns, and go fight these people? The problem is that we don't have enough people with us. The conservative treehouse was talking about they did a survey of, of who took the COVID shots of their viewers, okay? They're, they're very conservative. It's called the conservative treehouse, very conservative. And they said 75% of Americans were bullied into taking the shots, right? They were intimidated. That leaves 25% of the population who had the guts and the brains to stand up and question it and protect their own liberty and freedom, even getting fired, even losing their jobs, even after with great sacrifice. But on the conservative treehouse, 90% of his readers said, you know, we didn't take the shot. So that's it with our, our website here, with our podcast. I know that you guys aren't being fooled. You're not, you're watching this podcast to get the truth, to cut through the propaganda. But now we got to realize we're 25% of the population, not 51. Okay. Now that doesn't mean you can't win because remember during the revolutionary war, how many people fought the three percenters, right? Okay. But we got to understand that we can't keep doing what we've been doing and expect a different outcome. We can't keep getting jerked around by Mitch McConnell who says it's a win that we just put us a trillion more dollars in debt and we put money in there to persecute and prosecute you, but let's vote for him. The lesser of two evils. We got to find a different way. And we're fighting this not just at the you know, the national level, but we're fighting at the international level. Level, And I know some of you guys were, were, you wrote to me and thanked me for this, but we wrote a letter to the World Economic Forum and Carl and Klaus Schwab challenging the World Economic Forum's position on climate because they're the ones telling us the world's going to end. We've got to stop fossil fuels. We've got to get rid of fertilizer. We've got to end, you know, all these things because we've got to save the planet, okay? Well, in light of the fusion fission the uh, you know fusion reactor news that came out last week that I covered where we made a big step where they did a fusion reaction where you fuse atoms to create energy that created more energy than was put into it and that's the way the sun works okay this is the holy grail of energy total game changer and if you didn't understand that or you didn't hear about that go to we the people convention.org just search on you know fission f-i-s-u-s-s-o-n fission in the search box the story will come up there's a video that explains it big deal okay well it occurred to me that people are now saying that this fission reaction the reason it's such a big breakthrough is they think it will be online commercially available within 10 years. And it's zero pollution. 
It's safe. It's, it solves all the problems, the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum and all these anti-capitalist, commie nut jobs are trying to force on you that are going to destroy the world and kill people, quote-unquote, to save the planet. This does it better. So we wrote a letter to Carl Schwab, Klaus Schwab, and it, we did actually mail it to him, okay? And we put out a press release, and it's on our website. And you know, if you go to our website and look for this image, Okay, and here's what it said. Dear Mr. Schwab, in light of the impressive breakthrough achieved in nuclear fusion, uh, energy production uh, recently announced in the, at the Liv Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California on, in November 2022, which produced 120% net energy gain from a fusion reaction, we would like you to clarify the position of the World Economic Forum concerning your net zero carbon goals and your commitment to this new emerging technology. If, in fact, your organization's goal, the World Economic Forum, is to reduce man-made carbon production to zero and not, as your critics suggest, to use climate as a ruse to destroy capitalism and individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity in order to impose a totalitarian one-world government upon the citizens of the world, then why wouldn't the World Economic Forum immediately end its destructive environmental, social, government ESG efforts globally and turn its full attention to funding global efforts to commercialize clean, safe, and plentiful nuclear fusion energy? Why wouldn't you do that? This need for an immediate change, of course, by the World Economic Forum, is not just based on the results of the recent breakthrough in November, but also on seven studies published in the Journal of Plasma Physics and many others that predict nuclear fusion is available, will be available within the next 10 years commercially. If this can be achieved, it would actualize your organization's stand uh, stated goals of net zero carbon much sooner and much more comprehensively than your current efforts could ever hope to achieve without the horrible destruction, um, uh, destructive impacts on the human population and the globe itself. <clears throat> Therefore, we ask you to immediately call an emergency meeting of the World Economic Forum and its affiliated nonprofits and corporations and government actors globally to end your current destructive efforts, which are unnecessarily cutting off needed energy supplies, fertilizer supplies, and food production, and turn your full focus to funding the commercialization of nuclear fusion energy at, a, at scale before 2030. We are sure that you would agree that this effort would be a moonshot moment for the global environmental movement and a way to clarify <clears throat> that movement's and your organization's commitment to preserving our planet in a way that does not involve compulsory participation and self-destructive activities and instead provides competitive free market choices between fossil fuel use and clean, safe, and plentiful nuclear fusion. We will look forward to your response and the clarification of your organization's positions and agenda. We sincerely hope that this is the opportunity for all citizens of the world to finally unify behind a common climate goal that will benefit everyone in ways that can barely be imagined at this time. Working together, we can provide a new era of energy freedom 
that will not only save the planet, quote unquote, but end poverty and bring freedom, liberty, and prosperity to all mankind. Now you can read this letter at our website. You can share it, and I wish you would, because what we're doing is we're putting them in a pickle. Because we're saying, you claim that you're all about saving the planet, and the way to do that is net zero carbon. The ways you're doing that are anti-capitalist, are anti-human. You've you got people in the World Economic Forum who want people to die. You're going to starve people in Africa because we can't have fertilizer. We did a story on that, that Joe Biden just gave $2.5 of our money to African nations to not make fertilizer and grow their own food because it clashes, quote-unquote, with their climate goals, right? Well, if your goal really is net zero carbon, fusion technology is going to bring that to you faster than anything you're doing and not kill people. Matter of fact, help people. Make the environment better. So put up or shut up. That's, the, that's what that letter was for. And I hope you appreciate that effort. So why are we making that effort? Well, state AGs sound alarm about BlackRock and Vanguard buying large stakes in utilities, right? They never end. Uh, this is a story about the uh, acquisition by investment managers BlackRock and Vanguard um, of ever-increasing shares in America's public utility companies is setting off alarm bells from conservatives and progressives alike. In April, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission approved a request from BlackRock to increase its ownership up to 20% of a public utility's voting shares without being de deemed an affiliate and incurring the regulatory scrutiny and disclosure that comes with that. To gain the FERC approval, BlackRock and Vanguard promised they'd be passive investors and not use their share ownerships to influence management. Because utilities are often monopolies in the regions they serve, and because electricity and heating are essential in people's lives, any investment of more than $10 million in a public utility must be approved by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, according to Federal Powers Act. BlackRock and Vanguard received blanket approval in 2019 to surpass this limit for three years, and BlackRock was just given blanket approval for another three years. Now Vanguard is seeking approval on similar terms, but it requests uh, is, is sparking protests. In November, 13 state attorney generals petitioned the Federal uh, Energy Regulatory Commission to deny Vanguard's request, claiming that residents of their states could be harmed if utilities are compelled to stop using fossil fuels in favor of wind and solar power. The attorney generals argued that Vanguard is not entitled to a blanket authorization to acquire substantial equity and voting power in our utility companies. Okay? That's why we wrote that letter. That's why we need states' rights, because states' attorney generals are saying this ESG crap that the, the Davos crowd, Carl Schwab and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are, are pushing to shut down our power. That's, that's more control, right? That's more control. <clears throat> I thought this was a good story because we talked about this about a week or two ago. House Republicans to NGOs working on the border, preserve your documents. A group of House Republicans are preparing to investigate three non-governmental organizations working on the southern border to assist illegal immigrants when they enter the country. Representative Lawrence Gordon of Texas is leading the effort. 
Um, the group sent a letter to the NGOs telling them to preserve documents and communications related to their operations. It is part of their investigation into the movement of illegal immigrants from the border into the U.S. interior. The congressmen are concerned about the role NGOs, non-government organizations, play in the increase of illegal immigrants crossing the U.S.-Mexican border. The letter also accuses the NGOs of violating federal laws and regulations. Okay, and that's because this is this is no different than the FBI and the CIA and the DOJ getting Facebook and Twitter and the Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN to censor you, right? They're not allowed to do it, so they bribe them, they pay them, they intimidate them to do their bidding against the law. Now we have these NGOs like Catholic Charities who are being paid billions of dollars to take these illegal immigrants and bring them to your town, to your community, to let them out on the streets so that you got to pay for their health care. you got to pay for their housing. They're in your schools and your taxes go up because you got to teach these kids who have no right being in the United States. And these NGOs like Catholic Charities and Jewish Charities, and there's all kinds of these religious groups who are getting paid billions of dollars of our money to bring these illegals into our communities. Real Christian thing to do, don't you think? So I was happy to see that going on. And this is the problem about the border. Most Americans don't know how bad the border crisis is. And, and we got to fix this. So here's an ask. And on this show, you know, it says, not just talk, but action. If you're new to the podcast, I ask you to do things. But I really try to only ask you to do things that will work, that have a chance of success. I will not waste your time, effort, or money. Okay, <clears throat> so it's Christmas. It's you're going to be going to parties with family, with relatives, employers, employees, whatever, church parties. Who knows? Okay, <clears throat> when you're at these events, I want you to do something that is important. We can't just be pointing our finger and telling people, you know, you got to understand this. You need to know this. It doesn't work. You got to engage them in conversation. Okay, so this story about most Americans don't know how bad the border crisis is comes from a poll that was just done that basically showed how far off they are. So uh, there's already been 3.3 million people come over the border in the in the two years Biden's been around, and it's it's eight thousand dollars per eight thousand illegals a day now. Okay, and it's going to go to fourteen thousand a day if this uh, Title 42 thing doesn't get fixed, okay? But perhaps just as extraordinary uh, about that, okay, is that people just don't understand. A new Harvard-Harris poll shows that Americans have no idea how bad the crisis is. <clears throat> when asked how many illegal crossers are entering the United States, they grossly understate, under, underestimate that number. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm having a... <clears throat> frog in my throat here. The pollsters ask, how many border crossings by illegal immigrants do you think are occurring each year? They were then given several ranges of numbers to choose from. Now remember, the correct answer for fiscal year 2022 is 3 million. 16% guessed that less than 100,000 illegal border crossers entered the United States. 16% said 100,000. Another 21% estimated that somewhere between 100,000 and 250,000. 
another 18% guessed between 250 and 500,000, and then 20% guessed between 500,000 and a million. After that, 12%, you, the guys who watch this podcast, conservatives, you know, answered uh, estimated between one and two million crossing in a year, and then six percent said between two and three million. Finally, seven percent said the number was over three million. Okay, now we know that if you ask your family, "Geez, have you seen about what's going on on the southern border?" Do you know how many illegal immigrants have come in in the last year? That's the question I want you to ask. And they're going to give you answers like I just told you. They're going to say, I don't know, 250,000. That's your chance to say, would you be surprised if I told you that when Trump had closed the border under Biden this past year, 3.3 million illegals came into our country? That's how you start a conversation. We have to raise the knowledge of the ill-informed. And again, don't blame them. We just talked about the deep state control of all the media. How would they know if you don't let them know? How do you let them know without lecturing them? You just ask a simple question. You give them the answer. Then you say, do you know that they're busing these people to all these cities all over the United States? And you know what happens when they do that? And they'll go, I, I don't know. And you'll say, well, geez, if they bus them to whatever town you're in, <clears throat> they get government assistance <clears throat> like housing and food from us. If they have kids and they go to school, our tax dollars pay for that. If they go to the hospital, they don't have insurance. We pay for that. They won't know that. You can start that discussion, okay? And it's just another way that we can fight for our freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's what I'm asking you to do. All right, we're getting towards the end of the podcast here. Got a couple of uh, stories. First, I want to talk about, you know, the vaxes, right? And again, I don't do a ton of this because there's so many other better websites that you guys are all aware of that, you know, talk about this. But I do want to share some things that are important. This is an important article that came out. mRNA vaccines increase risk of infection. That's right. That's what it says. mRNA vaccines increase risk of infection. Maybe uh, you heard people saying the only ones getting sick from COVID-19 are the vaccinated. I know I've heard it. Well, it turns out they may be right. <clears throat> the Cleveland Clinic put out a rather large study of its 51,000 employees trying to find out the effectiveness of coronavirus disease 2019 vaccine. What they found was that people who received three or more vaccines were three times more likely to be reinfected than people who were never vaccinated. Remember, it was the pandemic of the unvaccinated that you unvaccinated horrible people were infecting everyone else because you were spreading the disease and you were getting disease. The study from the Cleveland Clinic says people who received three or more vaccines were three times more likely to be reinfected than people who had none. Risk of COVID-19 increased with time since the most recent prior COVID-19 episode and with the number of vaccine doses previously received. The Cleveland Clinic found the results to be 
unexpected. Oh, Shazam! Maybe we should have looked into this sooner. And why are you still pushing vaccines? Okay, well, here's another story. Again, you know, you can find out a lot more about these things elsewhere, okay? But I do want to just, you know, confirm some of the things we've been talking about. Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine linked to blood clotting, according to the FDA. Not me, not some conspiracy theorists, not Dr. Malone, not, not anybody like that. No, no, the FBI, FDA. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine has been linked to blood clotting in older individuals, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. FDA researchers crunching data from a database of elderly persons in the United States found that pulmonary embolisms, blood clotting that forms in the body and winds up blocking blood flow in the lungs, met the initial threshold for a statistical signal and continued meeting the criteria after more in-depth evaluation. Three other outcomes of interest, a lack of oxygen to the heart, a blood platelet disorder called immune fibro, uh, thy, I can't pronounce it, thrombonia, and another type of clotting called intervascular coagulation initially raised red flags, researchers said. More in-depth evaluations, such as comparisons with populations who received influenza vaccines, showed that these, are, these three are no longer meeting the statistical threshold for a signal. Researchers looked at data covering 17.4 million elderly Americans who received a total of 34.6 million vaccine doses between December 10, 2020 and January 16, 2022. The journal, the study was published in the journal Vaccine on December 1st. The FBA said it wasn't taking any action on the results because they don't prove the vaccines caused any of the four outcomes. They just found it that it made it was interesting that they found these results, right? So when are they going to find out if the vaccines cause this or not? The fact is, people who got vaccines are finding blood clots. When are they going to go to the next step? They're not. They're just not because they're not interested. They just want to lie to you and, and give you a bunch of, you know, they want you to, to do what they tell you. Shut up. Don't ask any questions. Let's see. This is a good story just because I think it's karma. Right. Remember the worst trade in detail in, in history since Rocket Colavito was traded <clears throat> when Biden traded a mass murderer, the, the, the merchant of death for this, uh, you know, lesbian WNBA black basketball player. Well, they had a homecoming celebration for Brittany Griner. And guess how many people showed up? The University Baptist Universal University Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, which is near Brittany Griner's alma mater, Baylor University, wanted to host a homecoming celebration from Griner on Monday following her return from Russia. But Griner, who's most famous for being unjustly detained in Russia, but is also a WNBA player, apparently doesn't impress the community where she went to school that month. Brittany Griner's homecoming was celebrated Monday night in front of 20 people at the University Baptist Church in Waco, uh, uh, on Monday night. Uh, Baylor is on winter break, and a few of these people who were supposed to attend were sick. The church live-streamed the event, according to reports by ESPN, and 20 people were there. But this is the person that we needed to trade for the merchant of death, right? Because she was so popular, right? The Bidens told us that. And the left and the media. What an outrage. Yeah. Karma. 20 people showed up. 
Now, <clears throat> to wrap up and get to kind of a more positive note on some things, I want to do this. Um, I had sent to you guys, you know, uh, the story about chat GPT. And basically, you know, I missed the boat last week. This is the artificial intelligence thing that allows you to ask it questions and it, you know, can create stories, okay? And that's kind of where I was on it. But I found out, like, on Sunday after last week's podcast that this is a much bigger deal. And then I had a chance to interact with it. And so I sent out this video from Jordan Peterson to you guys, and I want to play it now. It's only about five minutes. But this is why you need to know about not just the fusion reactors, but this artificial intelligence revolution that's coming our way. Because as Gordon Peterson, Jordan Peterson says in this video, this is a big deal, folks. Listen to what he has to say. How many of you clap? How many of you know what chat GBT is? Okay. So, well, I'll, not very many. So I'll tell you what chat GPT is, just so you know, because you need to know this. And I don't know what sort of technological revolution this is. Gutenberg press level? It's something like that. This is a big deal. So this AI system, it's a general language processing model, was released about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And uh, I, I went and interacted with it. You can, it's an AI system, artificial intelligence system. It basically is trained on, well, a massive corpus of, of spoken and or of text. So it's derived its models of the world from the analysis of human speech, essentially. It, it isn't using real world data yet, but that will be happening certainly within the next year. So, and chat GPT analyzes a very large corpus of text and that corpus is growing all the time. Now it's already sophisticated enough. I went on to it last week and I said, okay, some of you know I, I've written these books, 12 Rules for Life, and then Beyond Order, 12 more rules, because, you know, you can't have enough rules. And I asked it, this is what I asked it to do. I said, write me an essay that's a 13th rule for Beyond Order, written in a style that combines the King James Bible with the Tao Te Ching. That's a pretty difficult that's pretty difficult to pull off, you know. Any one of those things is hard. The intersection of all three, that's impossible. Well, it wrote it in about three seconds, four pages long. And it isn't obvious to me, for better or worse, that I would be able to tell that I didn't write it. Right, right. And, okay, and that's pretty impressive. Although, you know, maybe not, it's relationship to what I've written, but the fact that it could do that grammatically perfectly, right? And quite impressive philosophically, I also had it write an essay on the intersection between the Taoist version of ethical morality and the ethics that are outlined in the Sermon on the Mount, which it just nailed, got that dead right, brilliant. Again, it took it about three seconds. There was a, a computer engineer who purported to work for Tesla, he asked GPT, chat GPT, he said, look, I work for Elon Musk, but I haven't been doing much for the last week, so I need you to write me 10 bullet points about what I probably would have done as a, as a 
engineer at Twitter, what 10 things did I do last week that were productive and valuable? And oh, if you don't mind, write me the accompanying computer code that goes with each project. And it did that too, three seconds, and the computer code works. Right, and so, okay, so that's, that's already there. So then a university professor did this. He thought, oh, that's interesting. Any student will be able to write any essay on any topic with chat GPT. And uh, someone gave it an SAT, by the way, and it scored about as well as the average student in a well-functioning public university. So that's how smart it is. So that's basically an IQ test. He said, write me an essay, gave it a topic, wrote the essay. He said, now grade it said, if we can automate the students, we should be able to automate the professors too. And so it provided a complete comprehensive analysis of its own essay with grade. It wrote, uh, someone else asked it, write the screenplay and describe the characters for the next $900 million Hollywood blockbuster. It's like, bang, plot, characterizations. Then someone else took the descriptions of the actors and said, generate computer, photorealistic computer images for each actor. And all the AI systems could do that. So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next. This is going to happen this year. So get ready. Okay, so now we have an AI model that can extract a model of the world from the entire corpus of language. All right, and it's, it's smarter than you. And it's going to be a hell of a lot smarter than you in two years. So you can get ready for that too. But it's not that smart yet because it's just a humanities professor at the moment. It doesn't test its linguistic knowledge against the real world. That's what a scientist does, right? You come up with a theory that's linguistically predicated and then you throw it against the world and see if it sticks. And then the world tells you whether or not your linguistic construction is valid. But the new AI systems will be able to extract out patterns from the world itself, from images and so forth, and then be able to test their linguistic constructions against the world and so they'll practice just like scientists and the most advanced models are going to use text and image and action as well because they'll be able to model human action and so and all of that's going to come down the pipes within the next year so hang on to your hats ladies and gentlemen because what did my friend Jonathan Pajot say giants are going to walk the earth once more and we're going to live through that Maybe. So, I hope that helped you. It's available on our website. You can watch it again. There's also another video that talks about where you go from here uh, on our website. I want you to know that I signed up for the service and I used chat GPT this week because I was curious about the, the bias question that I told you about last week. So I asked ChatGPI, how many January 6th citizens who were arrested for the events at the Capitol were charged with insurrection? And it came back and said, many of the people arrested at January 6th were charged with insurrection. Well, you and I know that's not true. I know that for a fact. So then I said to this chat GPT, which supposedly, you know, so artificial intelligence, I said, give me a list of the prisoners who were charged with insurrection. And it came back and it said, 
uh, we're sorry, we can't give you a list because, you know, criminal cases are still being investigated. You know, all the work's not done, so we can't give you a list. I then said, give me the name of one person who was charged with insurrection. And it came back and said, we're sorry, we can't give you that name because, you know, uh, you know legal, uh, the legal suits are still underway, blah, 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 blah. And I said, your information is incorrect. No citizens were charged with insurrection. Can you fix your source? And it came back and said, we apologize for our error. We, you know, we, we, you know, we did the best we could, uh, but we can't correct our source. Now, why do I tell you that story? As Jordan Peterson explained, this artificial intelligence is just a computer running programs that is analyzing terabytes of text, words, from all kinds of sources. And it's from that, it's, it's, they've, they've figured out how to help it, group it, sort it, try to analyze it in a way that comes out with some sort of result. Okay? Now, that's very useful. But garbage in, garbage out. What is our problem as conservatives? This corpus of text is what's out there, right? Now, it's not connected to the internet yet. And Jordan Peterson said, by next year, it will be, okay? So this is, this is a fixed source of text, probably that they got from Google, from all your Google search searches and stuff over the last decades, all the libraries that they've you know, gotten books from, right? Google you know, got the rights to take all the books and, and scan all the text, right? That's what it's looking at. Well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is, as we discussed earlier, the deep state, not just in the United States, but in Russia, China, whatever, has controlled the information and have put propaganda out. And that propaganda is a thousand times greater than the truth you hear on this podcast, right? So when they say Russia you know, influenced Trump's election or the dossier is real, or, you know, Trump had a connection to a bank in Russia. That's how they're given the money. All of which are lies. There were how many stories written about that as if it were truth. So now this AI, artificial intelligence thing, is searching through that text. And what it's finding is lies. That there were January 6th, you know, citizens charged with insurrection. Lies. How does artificial intelligence sort out the lies? Well, if you're woke and a joke and think free speech should be censored and that misinformation and disinformation are real, they're not free speech, they're harmful, you don't want the truth. You don't want to sort the truth out from the lies. You want to believe the propaganda. So we are in danger of these machines being totally biased. And I don't know how you fix it. Now, I'm going to be writing some things and challenging people for how you fix it. But on the other hand, like all tools, Jordan Peterson showed you all kinds of valuable things. You can write an article or if you're if you're at a company and 
you know, your boss says, well, what should we do? Should we build a new building or should we, you know, uh, should we re restore another building, you know, to save money? This AI will allow you to type that in as an employee of that company and have it do the analysis for you if you just input the data. That's valuable. There's people going on there now, like they said about what movie, you know, write the script for a blockbusting movie. Now, who knows whether that's actually going to be a blockbusting movie, but there are people, you know, you know, asking questions about potential new businesses. So it's good and it's bad. The problem is we live in a world of evil. And we live in a world where people in positions of power are using all the resources at their disposal to gain advantage at the very least and to gain control at the very worst and to subject us to tyranny. And you need to be aware of this. And so that video at We The People Convention is something you should share with people this week. The fusion video, I'm asking you to send people the article about nuclear fusion. And there's a very good video about how soon this is coming. Because you combine unlimited energy with these kind of AI technologies, you ain't living in Kansas anymore, Dorothy, right? We're about to enter someplace that none of us understand, that has tremendous questions about personal freedom, you know, liberty, you know, uh, economic freedom, freedom of thought. It's going to affect all of us in dramatic ways. And you need to be aware of this. So the Fusion article, this video by Dr. Peterson and the subsequent materials, I'm providing those to you, right? You need to talk about that. You need to talk about the border and what it means to be a nation without borders. And why would you do that? What's the benefit to us? Right? Those are the conversations for you to have this holiday season. And they're scientific and interesting for the most part. And they should you should get a good response. Okay? So I hope you appreciate that. The effort we're trying to make to give you tools to inform you and inform our fellow citizens so we can make better decisions and protect and defend our freedom and liberty and prosperity. Now, I want to close with a couple things. I want to introduce you to this guy. His name is Peter Zeehan, Z-E-I-H-A-N. And he wrote a book called Mapping the Collapse of Globalization. And I got the book on order uh, it's been delayed by the storm, but I'll probably have it and read it by next week. But this guy is a futurist, and he's got a really different take on the world than I have and most of you have. For instance, he says China's doomed. Their population situation is so bad, and their energy situation is so bad that China will be nothing in 10 years. Wow. He's very big on geography and, and geopolitics. And, and, you know, he talks about, you know, changes that are coming and what countries are going to align with who. But if you want an interesting read, just go, or not a read at this point, you won't be able to get the book soon enough. Just search on Peter Zeehan, Z-E-I-H-A-N, on YouTube, and just watch some of his videos. Very interesting. He has a lot of fans. 
He's got some pretty big critics. But here's the bottom line. He says America is going to do great in the next 50 years, and the rest of the world's going to suck. So you might want to read that if you want some optimism, okay? If you want some optimism. It's something that, you know, you might like. So wish I would have had this for you for Christmas gifts. But, uh, you know, go online this week and watch one of his videos, okay? All right. Finally, you know, as I keep reminding you, as Steve Bannon keeps reminding us, if you think they're going to give you your country back without a fight, you are sadly mistaken. We know from this podcast that ain't happening because now we know how much they're in control and that we have very little say. And so whether this revolution is going to be economic, for instance, are we finally going to get together and have like a tax strike or we're going to bankrupt some of these countries? Are we going to act and say, can we get the FBI thrown out of our states? Can we push federalism to say we don't want the federal government operating in our state borders, in our boundaries? That's kind of on the fringe of what DeSantis is doing in Florida. Is the revolution going to be, you know, uh, educational? Are we going to destroy the, the educational system that's destroying us? I don't know. I know that if you push people far enough, if you take their liberty, if you go to a digital currency and take their money, they're going to take their gun and attack the bank. Or they're going to attack whoever did that to them. And that's where they're going. And we have to try to figure out a way to not destroy our country while we're saving it. And I wish I had the answer, and I pray to God for wisdom and courage, and I'm looking for the answer, and I'm asking you to look for the answer. That's how we start the new year, by stopping doing what we've been doing and do something else. Use creative destruction to find a better way. I need you guys to tell people about this podcast. And if you have questions, comments, suggestions, write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Info at wethepeopleconvention.org. But tell other people about this podcast. And then do the things I ask you to do. Share the the Fusion uh, video. Share the uh, Jordan Peterson chat GPT AI video. Talk to people about the border. Share this podcast. I'm hoping that all of you have a blessed and very happy Christmas. And I'm wishing all of you the very best in the new year. I would say I'll probably do a podcast on New Year's Eve because I'll be thinking more about this stuff. I hope you guys will be writing to me. And yeah, we do accept Christmas wishes and, and, and you know emails about that. We wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May God bless you and your families and keep you in good health. May God bless America. This has been the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski. And we'll see you next week, God willing.
Yes, we are the brave. We'll fight you in.